Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, I'm not thinking we're going to stay the whole time. So we will talk, and you will talk, and then we will go eat again. Because that's what we've done all week long. <laughs> that's exactly what I need is to eat some more, because I'm not even hungry. So let me pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we welcome you here. We thank you for the week that we've had and the things that you've taught us and just the things you've revealed about yourself to our heart and just about ourselves that we need to work with you. Uh, to become more like you. And so I just pray that you would really guide the time. Would you use the lessons that I've learned to really help these students to create small groups that other students would love to attend, where you would be glorified and students would connect with each other relationally and grow together spiritually. So we love you and thank you. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Well, so the goal of our talk, or my talk, this time together, is to give you guys just a taste of some things to think about as you are coordinating and creating small groups. This is not exhaustive. It, it was really funny, I was talking to Julie earlier today because I was trying to read some books and get some fresh ideas. And I said, oh, I read this, or I would skimmed this book called Sticky Church, and it had some really neat ideas about small groups. I was like, by this guy named Osborne. She's like, that's my pastor in San Diego. It's like, oh wow. So there's a lot, a lot of material out there to read. Um, and so I would just encourage you, if it's something that you're interested in learning about, there's messages online, but. Different people have different ideas about small groups, and so it's kind of fun to, to read it and filter it through, well, we're in campus ministry, so that looks different than church ministry. And so we have four years with students, and so there's going to be some things that we really want to want them to grasp while they're in school. So this isn't like a church ministry. They could be a part of the same small group for 15 years, and it's going to be in their homes. I mean, most of you guys are pretty transient, moving year to year. I know at USC it's hard for us to have small groups in the dorms now. They've really cracked down on security. So we're in libraries and corners of dining halls and just being creative. So it's not the intimate setting of like a living room. Some of you may have the opportunity to host in the living room, and I find that's ideal. But I feel like where we are in campus ministry, we might not be in the ideal setting. But to learn some things now to create environments where people really can connect with each other relationally and, and grow spiritually. So I really love small groups. I think they're a really valuable part of any ministry. That's why churches have them. That's why we have them. Um, I think for me, I, I love the challenge of taking a group of strangers and connecting them to each other. So at the end, prayerfully, they're more like friends. And some of them are very close friends, but they've developed deep friendships with each other that are lasting you know, years after university. And that's not all my doing. God really knits hearts together. And it's fun to see people who are like have nothing in common in August and then by May they are inseparable. Just how God weaves our lives and our hearts together. And so I found that for me, I like to do that not just in campus ministry settings, but I took a tennis class, a community tennis class, and I just love to do that even in my tennis class. Like I made cupcakes, we celebrated someone's birthday, and I just think it's really fun to take people who are strangers and, and to connect them. Um, so if you guys have questions along the way, feel free to ask. I think some of this comes a little more naturally to me. It's the way I'm wired, and so I might not be thinking the way you may be thinking. So feel free to interrupt. I don't want this to be me talking full-time. I'd really like to hear from you. Um, one of the neat things about small groups is that you can get to know people on a, a deeper level. You know, like if I was walking down the street here and past Sam, I could say, hey, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, good. You know, how are you? It's more just like a greeting that we offer each other. But small groups really provide an opportunity to to be more authentic with each other. So if I ask Sam in this group here, you know, how are you doing? I would get a very different response. So there's an, 
um, opportunity to be, to be more authentic with people when you move out of a hallway kind of situation, just the, the normal greeting into a circle type situation where there's people who know each other a little bit better or are, are, or are in the process of getting to know each other a little bit better. <clears throat> Another advantage of small groups is just a marked increase in spiritual disciplines. Small groups really kind of take our good intentions and put them on our calendars. Like Melinda's you know, phone went off with the calendar reminder. We can put them in our calendars when we're all together. And so I think in every ministry there are people who feel like, you know, I really should be reading my Bible more. I should be praying more, sharing my faith more, memorizing scripture more. But busy schedules, procrastination, just a lack of commitment kind of keep these things from happening in day-to-day -day life. And so things that aren't particularly urgent but are important to have an opportunity to get into our calendars when we are held a little more accountable by being in a small group. And, you know, some people think, well, you know, small groups aren't mentioned in the New Testament or, you know, we're not commanded to attend a small group, so is it really necessary? But when you read the New Testament, you realize that they were just a small band of people, and essentially they were a small group. They were meeting together, sharing life together, like what we want our small groups to be about. So if you get some flack about small groups, just tell them, you know, read Acts, read the New Testament, and see how the early church really did church. Small groups kind of help facilitate what they were accomplishing naturally thousands of years ago. So small groups are really designed to help people connect relationally to each other and then connect deeper into God's word. And so it's a safer place to ask questions, to struggle with the answers. You know, most people are like when John Strapp was always talking about that lady who just totally interrupted and said, I disagree with you. Like that doesn't normally happen in a large group meeting. But in small groups, oh, the discussion can get pretty heated as people are really wrestling with the truth of God's word. And so it's a much safer place to air your questions and your concerns or your doubts. And so to provide an environment where that's okay to do that, where people can, can doubt and find answers in the Bible that are necessary for just day-to-day -day life. So for our ministry at Christian Challenge at USC, we've um, adopted an acronym taken from Kansas State University called referred to as, we call our groups life groups. It's acrostic for, the L stands for learning biblical truth, and the I is for intercessory prayer. So we want our groups to be centered around God's word. That's the main focus of every single life group. And the inter intercessory prayer, most people will not know what that means, and so breaking it down, like we just pray for each other. We wanna know what's going on in each other's life so we can pray for each other. And then the F stands for fellowship. So we're not just spending time together in you know, Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock in Levy Library, but we are a part of each other's life with birthday celebrations or target runs or study breaks, whatever we need, um, that we know what's going on in each other's life. And then E stands for extending life to others. So not just with believers, but with non-believers too. And so we're just extending the abundant life that we found in Christ to other people because everybody needs community. Andy Stanley talks about how real change takes place as we move out of rows and we move into circles. And so rows are great for hearing things, for taking notes, but transformation really begins to take place as we're in small groups, discussing things, going back and forth, and making application. And so for us, life groups, and for me, what I've just seen the value of it, really serve as a point to connect people to each other and to God's word and to make application. So if you wanna grow in your relationship with Christ, you need intentional relationships, right? That's the whole point, is that we can't do this alone. And so life groups and small groups, I'll probably use that word interchangeably, really provide an opportunity to have these intentional relationships. You know, the Proverbs 
talks about he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So not every person in your, your life group is going to be a wise person, but there are going to be people who are headed the same direction, and it provides an opportunity for people to see, oh, I have more in common with her or with him than I realized just after talking with them for a few minutes after challenge. And so life groups are a place, too, where everybody is welcome. And so people are welcome if they're just beginning to investigate Christianity or if they've committed their life to Christ. So we, the struggle sometimes is the tension of creating a place where everyone feels like they can come. And so that's kind of hard to do because you don't want to discuss things that are like way over people's head, these deep theological issues. Save that more for like some one-on-one -on -one time. But just how intimately practical the Bible is, that's what we want to accomplish in life where people say, oh, I can read this for myself. I can look at a passage and ask questions of it and make application. So they see that group life is important, but I don't have to have this group to walk with God because this group is not going to be the group that I'm a part of for the next you know, 70 years of my life. Does that make sense? So let's look at Proverbs 27, 17. It's kind of a key verse that relates to just community and sharing life with each other. Go. Julie Lee, read that, please. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So what that verse really talks about, our relationships are one of the tools that God uses to refine us and to make us more like him. And that's why we do groups, is because the whole goal is for us to live lives that honor and glorify God and bring other people to Christ. And so you can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally. So that's one thing I would really like you guys to remember from this, is that you can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally because God designed us for relationship. He designed us for community. And so for most people, their first taste of community is gonna be through a small group or through a life group. They'll maybe visit <coughs> Challenge first and that's a great taste of it, but they're gonna feel the embrace and the acceptance and the care through a small group life group. So these are just some tips um, from me to you, from someone who's done this for a couple of years longer than you have. So one of the things that I really try to, to think about when I'm planning life group and thinking through it is that I want the group that I'm leading to be a place where people can belong and they can become. So I think of it as B squared, like belonging and becoming. I want them to feel like they're missed if they're not there. They gain things when they are there, that they are becoming more like Christ. But it's a place for them to just, if they've had a, bear, a bad day, just to air those concerns or place where people can celebrate with them when they have had a really good day. So kind of the next portion of what I'm going to talk about is just taking you through what a typical, like from preparation to execution to conclusion of a life <coughs> would look like. Some of you have done this before, so this is just going to be um, good reminders. Others of you haven't led before, but you attend a life group, and so this may give you ideas of how you can really participate better and be a blessing to those that, who are leading you. Because it's amazing how it just doesn't look that hard until you've done it yourself. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is a lot more work than I realized um, that my leader for the last couple of years has put into it. So the first thing that we're going to look at is just preparation. As Neil Walker likes to say, proper prior planning prevents poor performance. That's proper prior planning prevents poor performance. And so I think for most of you, your small groups meet every week. 
so it shouldn't come as any surprise that it's Wednesday, you know, it's like, or Tuesday and Wednesday's coming. It's like, oh gosh, life group is tomorrow. Well, it's going to come every Wednesday. So it's really good to just think ahead and to set aside some preparation time before Wednesday, because if you save it till Wednesday, trust me, something will come up. That time that you've set aside like the 30 minutes before people get there, something's going to happen and go wrong and you will just have to just skate by the skin of your teeth. So what does it communicate to your group if you come ill-prepared? This is discussion time. So, I think it communicates that you don't really care or you're not that invested in the group and that it's, it's really something that you just kind of tack onto a schedule. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, like it isn't all that important. It's just like you're doing it out of whatever obligation you feel to, to do it. It's almost like it's like a homework assignment. You just can skate by with little effort. And you're just hoping for the passing grade. You're not hoping for the A+. Plus. Yeah. Other ideas? You also don't value your time. Mm-hmm. Because I think it can be frustrating when you meet with someone and it feels like just a waste of time. Yeah. And so then that makes them not want to come back again because, like, well, I have better things to do with my time. I think it... it it doesn't build trust. I don't know if it breaks it, but it might. It probably doesn't build trust in that person, and even maybe even the group mm -hmm. context. I would say yeah, it really damages some things. So if you've done that in the past, it, not all hope is not lost. <laughs> trust me, but it will take some time to rebuild the trust with the group, and probably and will you forgive me kind of conversation. Um, there are times when I've experienced God's grace when I know I was Ill, Ill prepared and he just came through in supernatural ways and that will happen not every week is ideal but to just place a priority on being prepared and not doing things at the last minute so part of preparation means that regardless of like the material that you're using that you work through it on your own before you get there and so that every question needs to be answered I really prefer I'm a little like anal and I have really bad handwriting I, I like to type it up if possible if I'm not going through a book and then I color code it <laughs> so I have like the questions in black and then my response like my answers in blue or whatever and then as I'm working through I think what is my initial answer to this question and then what may they what are their questions or how am I say this how they may answer the question so then I can think through maybe a follow-up question that isn't listed out on their sheet that I could use to keep the discussion going and that'll put that in a different color. <laughs> because what you don't want to be doing is having to like read your sheet all the time, but you're gonna have to glance down at it periodically. So I try to stay a little organized with my color coding or, and I wanna leave room because some of the responses are gonna be different than mine and I wanna learn from their responses. And so I'll, I'll be writing it too. And you wanna model that for them and not just like, well, I already have it written down so I don't need to, to do it. They need to know that you have prepared, but that you are teachable as well and learning from them. That this isn't just like a teacher kind of relationship. You're a facilitator and everybody is learning. And so you don't have to be as anal as I am about it, but you do need to have gone through every single question and thought through it, Read, reading all the verses and really asking God to give you understanding, meditating on the passage. When you show up, it should not be the first time you've read that passage of scripture. You should know it. Um, and another thing that just involves preparation, if you are co-leading, it's great if you can get there a little bit early and pray with your co-leader. That might not be ideal, maybe just one of you can get there early, to have the room kind of set up and your heart ready and praying for them to have hearts ready to hear and to engage in God's word, but just to take a few minutes to kind of ready your heart and to pray for each of the people who are coming by name and asking God to remind them. You know, you can send out last minute text messages, but not to just show up in a rush because when you show up in a rush, 
then you're, it just sets the tone for the meeting. Um, and so you want to be there early as possible. Again, there's going to be life things that come up, and you just got to go with the flow. Not every life group, small group is going to be perfect, but to do what you can to be prepared. Another part of preparation that kind of goes with um, intro and preparation is food. It's essential. You may not think so, um, but trust me, it helps so much because how people are welcomed really sets the tone of the whole afternoon, evening, whatever you guys choose to have your small groups meeting. And so it really kind of sets people at ease who haven't been there before. It kind of gives them something to do. You know, they can keep putting food in their mouth if they don't want to talk, you know, just keep munching away. Um, have it ready before they get there. Um, at Chico, do you guys mostly meet on campus for your small groups or off campus? We have two small groups that work okay in homes and so you guys could even have like background music playing or um and lots of fun food if you have a kitchen handy for us it's like whatever we can just carry around in a bag all day and so for me i don't usually have drinks because i can't carry it around all day but you guys so thinking through okay what kind of napkins plates silverware is going to be needed in the winter time maybe warm drinks you know and or iced tea when it gets warm or cooler yeah no warmer um sorry i can't remember the seasons so you could be a little more creative we're we're a little more constrained where we are but i think to just realize it's not a competition sometimes you can kind of one-up each other on the guess well you know i brought sprinkles cupcakes this week or you know i'm gonna um, make fondue or i don't know what you could do but it's not a competition so making it so other people who aren't necessarily in leadership can contribute to like a bag of chips and salsa or cookies you can do bigger things for people's birthdays that you want to celebrate but not every week has to be this production because that's not the whole point and sometimes you can focus too much on that prep rather than getting the lesson prepped and you don't want that to be the distraction does that make sense it's got to be doable exactly and reproducible so they can see if i need to host a small group someday i don't have the time to make this amazing veggie tray and cut the pineapple this right. way you know it's like yeah so that they can see i can do this too otherwise they're like no and the store-bought stuff is fine i think that's what we default to a lot i would say it's like store-bought stuff just, yeah, mm -hmm. we kind of just, exactly. just text everyone and say, hey, bring something, and it's usually a last-minute grab at Safeway. So. Yeah, there are weeks you're going to have more time when you can think through it more, and other times you're just glad the grocery store is closed by. So. And then it's great if you plan ahead to have more food than what you need because then people will stay after and talk, or you can send it home with them, and that's a great tool for even the roommates. Like, where did you get this? Oh, I went to a small group tonight, and – my leader had extra and so she said I could bring some home and then it kind of opens the door for you to share maybe what you learned or it just helps if you're not just sometimes there'll be times when people are so hungry they will just eat everything in the first five minutes and that's just not your fault you don't know how hungry people are um, but other times it's great if you can plan to have a little bit extra and then as far as cleaning up it's our responsibility as leaders if if people who are just participating want to say that's great but we need to leave a place better than when we found it so whether that's you know in a study room in the library or someone's home in the their living room you know the crumbs that are everywhere just picking up and cleaning up after ourselves because that's just a great training opportunity for students like we want to leave places better than what we when we found them modeling that for them and then teaching them that as well helping them to understand that so so first of all you need to do your lesson ahead of time and be prepared and then think through snacks because it's very important the next thing is icebreakers 
Well, let me just say I'm not the biggest fan. Um, like the toilet paper gang, or like, you know, you pull off a certain number of toilet paper strips or M&Ms. Like, um, they're hard, but they're necessary because in group life, you're essentially recreating a group every time you get together. And so it's really important for people to, to have time to be like, you know, they, they come in as individuals with a lot on their minds and helping them to center around a purpose. And so icebreakers really help people to just kind of end up on the same page somewhere. I think they can be silly. I mean, they don't all have to be like these deep, share your soul kind of icebreakers, but, and they don't need to take too long. That's the danger of an icebreaker is that it can go on and on and on. And so as a leader, you really need to set the pace. Um, and if you don't answer the ice, the breaker first, then I would have a co-leader or someone older who understands the point of what you're trying to accomplish, do it succinctly. And maybe you could even coach them ahead of time. I'm looking for like a couple of sentences, not like your whole life story, because otherwise, your whole time is taken up with the icebreaker. So you, you, and also just to let people know from the beginning, the expectation is I'm going to start and then Juhan's going to go next and everybody's going to share. And then when we end, we're going to start the discussion. So people who are new kind of know what's going on and what to expect. And then they know everyone is expected to participate and they don't need to tell, you know, whatever. Sometimes we've done things like, you know, what's your favorite dessert? And the icebreaker you use in August will be different than the icebreaker you use in May because as your group grows and deepens, then the icebreakers can get a little deeper as your group kind of adjusts and learns each other. But initially, if it's too deep, it will be very threatening for people and they won't want to come back. So start with the, like, what's your favorite dessert or what was the highlight of your summer? And you can even reuse icebreakers. You don't have to think of a new one every week. There's great books. Look on the internet, like 1,001 questions. There's all sorts of questions that you can ask people. Or we've done things like, you know, what was the high of your week and what was the low of your week? And if you use those repeatedly, then sometimes people will just expect to answer that. And when you don't do it, they'll be like, but I've been thinking about it today. I don't want to share. Okay, we'll do that again one more week. Or, you know, what was the most significant thing that happened to you this week or most important thing that happened? So as they're thinking through their week, they kind of come prepared. And if they come more prepared, then the icebreakers can go a little bit longer because some people are just slow processors. Um, so give them time. But it's not bad to reuse them. It would be bad to reuse the, like, what's your favorite dessert week after week. <laughs> but I try to be strategic with that. This is a little insight. I try to take notes kind of slyly. So then when it's their birthday, I have more of an idea of what they like. Except if they want, like, tiramisu. Or, like, there's some people who, like, really go up, like, I want from the Cheesecake Factory because they don't know what I'm doing. They don't know what I'm really asking for. But it gives me an idea of, like, people who are like, she doesn't really like chocolate. She really likes fruit. You know, those kind of things so you can plan appropriately for birthdays. Because celebrating people is just an essential part of sharing life with people. And so be careful with your icebreakers. Be creative. If it's too silly, they'll think it's lame. If it's too deep, it's threatening. So run it by, you know, other people in your, your core team or your ministry team and just get some ideas. What's worked for you? What hasn't worked so well? I've done things where, you know, different questions on sheets of paper and each person had to draw one out you need to go around the group, you can swap. So non-threatening, but it's not something that's gonna take up a ton of time because that's just to kind of get people ready. One of the key things about icebreakers is to watch for someone who shares a crisis during the icebreaker. So if someone, if I was to say, you know, Jeff, what was the high and low of your week? And he said, you know, the high was, I did well in my midterm, the low is, you know, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. Like, 
whoa, that's, that's really heavy and huge. And so at that point, it would probably be good to kind of stop everything and pray. They may need some time to gather their thoughts and comments and maybe say, you know, after life group, I really like to hear more about that situation. But people may hint at things. They may not come out with something so overt as that. They may, they may hint towards something else. So don't tune out during icebreakers. It could be really key in giving you a window of what's going on with that student. Does that make sense? Any questions so far? I feel like this is just a lot. No? Okay. So now we're going to move into the discussion time. So for me, what I try to do is in the ice icebreaker and then pray because I just need something to kind of transition between something that may have been silly or not quite together and gathering our thoughts and focus on, on what we're going to be discussing. And so I try to begin that with prayer and then at the beginning of the semester to really help girls understand, you know, what is the purpose of life group? And if you don't feel comfortable sharing, you don't have to share. I'm not going to call on you if this is your first week. You can participate to the level of your com however you're comfortable, but I'm not going to force you to do that. But we would love to hear your thoughts on these things. Um, and so for the first few weeks, just kind of going over that again and again, explaining what life group is and what we hope they would get out of it and just our desires and expectations for life group and just encourage them to participate. So one of the keys to good discussion is really to listen well. Um, listening requires a lot of things. Concentration, you can't be listening and then thinking ahead of the next question. It's good to have eye contact with people, um, not to be glancing down at your sheet the whole time, but <clears throat> to kind of listen with your ears and with your eyes. Watch what they're saying and watch their facial expressions um, and just listen to them. So who wants to look up Proverbs 18, 13? Julian, will you read that when you get it, please? Proverbs 18.13. Few answers before listening. <clears throat> that is his folly and his shame. So sometimes you could be, you know, interrupting them or um, not listening in a way that really makes them feel like they don't want to share again. And so really being careful how you listen and to listen well um, and to listen to where that person is with God. They may clue you in on whether they're not, they even believe in Jesus or they have committed their life to Christ by just the way they're <coughs> answering the questions. And so um, don't be afraid of the silence. I think more for me, the silence, I've gotten used to the silence. For me, sometimes it's hard to know when to cut people off. You know, like some people are just like, whoa, that was, that's a lot. Thank you, thank you. You know, you're like, oh, uh-huh. You're like non-verbally trying to communicate to them. Like, yes, that might not be your problem. The talkers may not be your problem. Maybe the silence. Each group is different. Every group has its own personality. So there will be long pauses. Remember, you have done all of these questions. You've answered them. You've thought about them. This is the first time they're seeing them. So just give them time to process it. And just be okay with like sitting there. They may not understand it. So you, it's okay like after a short amount of time to maybe rephrase the question. Maybe they did Maybe it made sense to you, but it didn't make sense to them. But the silence is okay. But I wouldn't be afraid after a while of getting to know some of the people in your group to just call on people. So Sam, what'd you think about that? To kind of get the ball rolling. People that you know 
are, have been coming around and would be comfortable with that. I wouldn't do that to someone that's their first time unless you know them and know that they're an expert just dying to share and need to be called on. So I try to, it's important to kind of keep things moving. It's this fine tension between like keep things moving along but also giving them time to process and think through it on their own because you don't want it to drag. If you guys have been in groups where it just kind of drags along and it's so painful and you just want to like help them but as an active participant for those of you who aren't leading or when you're not leading be the person who answers the question because you know how painful it is to sit through the silence and so be the person that's like yeah I'd like to answer that or you know not that you necessarily have to raise your hand but just realizing that participation really allows everyone in the group to have a, a better experience um, one of the things that's good to do also when, when people are answering the questions is to think through how you can, you know, point them back to God through their comment or back to the scripture, but to affirm them and to thank them for sharing. There may not be, maybe all you can say is, wow, thanks, thanks for sharing. That was really helpful or I appreciate you being willing to answer the question. But do the best to keep the ball rolling because the goal is discussion, like not for me as a facilitator to do all the talking, but for it to kind of ping pong around and go back and forth. So that you know, Amy's talking to Katie and then you know, Juhan's going in and we're just going back and forth. So I kind of get to sit back and watch the discussion play out. But the hard thing then is that sometimes rabbit trails happen and, and sometimes they're really good and so you just need to stay really sensitive to the spirit and go with it. Other times you may gently like, let's get back on track or you may just have to be abrupt and like cut someone off and be like, this is a great discussion, but not right now. Let's talk about this after we pray and then we can get into this really good discussion but some of it people are really asking questions of scripture and questions are being answered and you may it may just be like okay in this moment we need to go there and there may be other times when people have just kind of gone off or it's gotten too negative or gossipy and it just needs to get back on track so use your discernment just stay very connected to the holy spirit and trust me he will guide you but to be affirming whenever possible when people answer um, another thing is you are going to have people in your group who are going to just like say things that are totally off the wall and, and not accurate at all and so in those moments I would really urge you not to reject their answer but to I usually start praying then that someone else in the group would correct them so it wouldn't have to come from me so they wouldn't feel like it was like I was coming down to ours on them that I thought they were wrong in front of the whole group and so it's great when there's another person who's like, well, you know, I didn't think of it like that. Or you can even ask, okay, show me which verse was it that you came to that conclusion? Let's look at that verse again. Kind of help them go back to scripture instead of it being too opinion-based. Because if it gets into opinion, then it can get way, way off track. You want to remember, it's learning biblical truth, so keep the Bible at the core. Because that's going to save you a lot of debate back and forth. Because people have grown up believing all sorts of things but you want to say, okay, what does God say about this topic or what's, what's happening in this passage right now? Um, and to realize that you're learning in, as well. And so not every life group is going to be perfect. I've done this for a lot of years and there are times I'm like, that was awful. That life group did not go well. What can I learn from this? How can I make that better? Or other times I'm just flying high as a kite. Like that was great. The discussion was good. Girls were engaging scripture. Wow, that's how it should be. If only it could be like that every week. But it's not because people have had different weeks. Some people will show up some week. Some aren't consistent in their attendance. You just don't know what you're going to get. And so that's why prayer and preparation helps, but you cannot control the outcome. Just know that from the beginning. You can work and plan and prepare, but 
and God works through the, the foibles and the mishaps along the way. And it could be someone's most significant life group. You have no idea what God is doing in their hearts, but there are times like, okay, God, please redeem that hour because I don't see anything good that happened then. Um, and then as you're ending, the application is key. As you are wrapping things up to help girls see, you know, what is specifically going to be your takeaway, girls and guys. Sorry, I only lead girl groups, so I tend to default to that. Um, are Chico groups co-ed? Okay, so girls and guys, what application are you going to make? What's going to be your next step? How is your life going to be different as a result of what you've learned from God's word? And another thing I would, this is just a tip. I look around the room. How many of you guys are wearing watches? I guess you're kind of on vacation. Yeah, um, I would really encourage you to buy a watch or wear a watch if you don't have one. Your phone, I know many of you rely on your phone, but it's really kind of, I think, maybe rude to just like keep pushing your phone because then people are also getting nervous about what time it is. So it's important as you're wrapping up to end on time. That's where I'm going with this. So you can be a little more sly with your watch than you can be with your phone, unless your phone's on the whole time and you can see the time. But ending on time is really important. So as you're making application that's key and you want to kind of keep them focused on making application, but you want to make sure you end on time and just really honor their time because you've expressed, you know, we're going to be here for an hour or an hour and a half, whatever you've told them. And that's what they're expecting. They're not going to want to come back if you keep having these two, three hour life groups that are great discussion and you're learning a lot, but it's just not honoring their time. I've done that before and it was nice, but in the long run, the girls came to me like, you know, this is lasting too long. I was like, you're right. We need to be more on track and more focused and that's key. So for us, I lead a life group with Julie right now and we have girls who have to leave a little early. So we do our prayer time, like we do icebreaker and then we do prayer time together. So we have prayer requests for some of you that might not work because people will be trickling in late to your group. So kind of think through when your group arrives and how it's kind of made up because prayer is really an important part of of learning what's going on in each other's lives and really praying for each other and, and loving each other. You find that your heart gets more involved with people when you pray for them. And so that's a key thing that you don't want to miss. So in ending on time, you want to make sure that you're tracking along so that you do have time for prayer. Um, I've even done things where I will write out like minute by minute, like I want to spend five minutes on this question, three minutes on this question. You can even do that and put the time if that would help you just to start training yourself. Or when I flip the page, I want to be, want to be 745 or whatever. So you kind of have an idea like we need to pick things up or okay, we've got some time we can, you know, sit on this question for a little bit longer just because you really want to honor people's time. But prayer is important. Just taking time to hear people's concerns. There are things again that you might come up in an icebreaker, may come up in prayer time that the whole group will need to know. And sometimes it's a private matter that they don't want the whole group to know. So you can do different things. Sometimes you can, you know, have three by five cards and everyone write a couple of prayer requests and their contact information and then pass those around. And, you know, that person, you pray for that person all week and you send them a text or an email say, I'm praying for you. You know, hope things went well. Or you can do, um, everybody listens to the same prayer request and then everybody does one sentence. You would want to be like clear on this, like short prayers for the person to your right. Because some people have never prayed out loud before and that's very intimidating. So you would start and model that for them. Like, God, thanks for Juhan. Would you really help him? to have the strength and stamina to stay up late and finish that assignment. And then you will pray for Amy and just go around like that. But I wouldn't probably do that in August. Like I would wait a little bit of time because for some reason praying out loud really is intimidating for some people. And so don't put pressure on them. If they don't want to pray, just say, that's totally fine. Meet them where they're at. And 
Because remember, your job is to create a welcoming environment where they want to come back, where they feel that they can belong and they can become and they fit in and they're accepted for who they are. And so if they're not comfortable with that, that's totally fine. Just helping them to see that. Does that make sense? So um, there's lots of different ways that you can pray for people. Be creative. Um, I've even seen something where you can each have a coffee mug and then you switch the mug with the person. I don't do that because I don't want to carry around a coffee mug. But um, you could do that. Um, there's lo- just think creatively. Kind of think outside the box. That's why I think it's really key to co-lead because um, there are times where you're like, that was awful. And then you can talk to your co-leader. Like, well, it wasn't that bad. You can process through ways you can improve because otherwise if it's just you, you kind of get, get lost in it and aren't quite sure how to make the improvements. You need someone to hold a mirror up and say, well, we kind of got stuck there. I think next time we better to move things along in this way. Did you hear what you know, Susie said about her mom? I think we really need to follow up with that. Do you want to follow up with her or should I follow up with her? Just so that she's not falling through the cracks that she knows that we love and care for her. Any questions so far? No? None at all? Okay, I'm gonna give you a tips from a not so pro, because I'm not a pro. Um, I would encourage you, don't just see them on the night of your small group. Try to get time with them outside of that. It's gonna be really important for you to build a relationship with them, and so that's gonna happen outside of just the circle time. Circles are better than rows, but one-on-ones are great for building friendships and, and building trust with people as well. So call them, text them, drop them a note, let them know that you really enjoy having them a part of your small group. And then you know, share life with them, not just challenge events. You can be like, well, I see them on, you know, for challenge, and then I see them at small group, and then I see them at church on Sunday. Do I really need to see them again? Yes, because they need to eat, and they need to go to Target, and so see them outside of just Christian circles. Um, it'd be great. I think it's great if you can go and meet their parents and go do a weekend at their house. It gives you more insight into who they are and how they're wired and where they're coming from if you can meet who they grew up with, siblings, that kind of thing. Um, it's your responsibility as a leader to really set the pace for transparency. And so there are going to be times when, you, when you're really struggling and you're going to just wish that life group was canceled. <laughs> like, I don't want to even go. Um, but they need to know that your walk with God is not just roses and easy breezy and your life is perfect. They need to know that there's struggles and hurts and things you're processing through because they're watching you. And they're thinking, I could never be like that because her life is just too put together. I didn't grow up like that. My life will never be like that. And so be appropriately transparent. But they're pretty much only going to be as transparent as you are. And so let them in. Let them know what's going on. And then I would encourage you that when students are absent or they've missed, just to let them know that you miss them. Not in like a threatening way, like, where were you? You know, why weren't you there? But just like, hey, I hope you're having a good week. Really miss seeing you on Tuesday night that is you can call them text them email facebook you have so many modes of communication pick one and just say hope you're doing well whatever but just be careful and use your words wisely because some people can read that as like they're just stalking me or checking up they're not my mom you know that kind of a thing so another tip i would have is you know, don't be in a rush if you start your meeting with like i've got a midterm tomorrow i know you guys have a lot going on so let's just get through this and then we'll go home and get some things done then the whole meeting is just of going to be like this frantic pace of oh my gosh we've got to get things done and so no one feels like they can share what's going on because they just need to get get in and get out so that's approached by like well i just checked this off the box because this is what i'm supposed to do um 
So the first few minutes of your meeting really set the tone. So that's why it's good to get there early, to be welcoming, to make eye contact, not to be like on the phone, dealing with something else, or you know, trying to get all the cookies arranged. Try to have as much done and ready as possible so that you can really greet people and welcome them in a way that puts them at ease and kind of um, connect with them. Because sometimes, Julie and I have, this one girl arrives early every week and I think, we're not starting <laughs> like 30 more minutes like why are you here um but i think she just, she just really wants to to connect and so meeting her where she is so we may not get to pray for the girls that week that's okay because she is important and she came so it's not like i'm glad you're here we're gonna go pray for you and the rest of the girls and then we'll be back nope that just gets scrapped and you get a chance to get to know her a little bit better so again about the preparation don't make excuses just be prepared just do it um and to remember that your job is to facilitate and not to dominate. And so they didn't come to hear a lecture from you about some aspect of Christianity. They really came to discuss and to engage and to learn. And so you're just the facilitator. You aren't the teacher. And so you want to do your best at getting people to discuss things with each other. And so don't think that you have to have all the answers or you need to have prepared this litany of you know, a workshop to, to prepare for them. So, um, and I would just encourage you to evaluate. It's important after you end as you're walking back to say, okay, well, how'd that go today? How'd you think this went? Um, I'm not sure about that. Maybe we could try this next time. Um, and just being honest with each other, knowing that you've got each other's backs. Some of you will be one co-leader will be strong in one area and the other will be strong in another area. So really balance each other out and know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are so you can play off of those. That's gonna be key in just having a group dynamic that really um, helps students to engage at a deeper level. So I think that co-leading is the best thing to do. I don't know how, are your group student-led or? They're student-led and basically co-led. So then the weight doesn't fall to just two yeah, people. Yeah, but they are like the ones that like lead the guy girl time to the discussion are in charge. Okay. So, um, and I don't know if you guys get to choose your material or what at SC they, we choose. And so I think it's good to sit down at the beginning of the semester and kind of make a Google Doc or whatever you need to say. Who's going to lead this, this week and who's going to bring the snacks to kind of know what the semester is going to look like from the beginning. Like, I'm going to be out of town that week, so you're going to have to do that. Maybe we can ask another person to bring a snack, but from the beginning to kind of have an idea of where you're going all semester long, because that'll really free you up, because obviously you have a lot more time before school starts than once it starts, and so it's good to have thought through some of the material, what you want to be covering, um, and just discussing back and forth. Okay, what are some things that you prefer to do? What are some things I prefer to do? And communicating back and forth on that. Um, I'm big on like knowing where we're going and this is what we're gonna do. And so in dividing up the kind of the division of labor, I feel, I feel like that helps rather than week of being like, you know, Tuesday morning and it's on Wednesday. Are you leading this week or am I? Um, what's going on? And so just kind of having that set from the beginning of the semester and so looking through that. Those are, those are some tips from me to you on things that have worked well for me. Um, I can entertain you the stories of things that have not worked well, but I found that the more you can, more prepared you can be, the better it'll go, but it's never gonna be perfect. And so, and I think 
if some people aren't sharing in your group, it's not bad to like, if you meet up with them for like coffee and say, hey, I'd really like to hear more of your thoughts during life group. Or, you can ask them, is there a reason you don't feel comfortable sharing? And like, well, it's because this other girl talks the whole time. And so then you can have a conversation and say, we'd really like to hear from you. And then maybe have a conversation with the other girl. Like, you are amazing and you have such a gift for explaining things, but there's some other people that we would really like to hear from too. And so maybe will you wait until someone else has answered first until you answer the question. And so doing it with positivity and encouragement rather than like, could you just not talk as much? <laughs> it's like, you other people are don't like it when you talk. You know, that doesn't make her ever want to come back, you know. So any other tips that you guys know or things that I didn't even think to cover that have worked or things you've enjoyed in life groups you've been a part of? One of the things we were talking about with prayer that the, um, I've done a couple times that the girls girls seem to enjoy. I don't know what the guys would, but um, is we bought those little tiny notebooks, the, the little tiny, mm -hmm. like these, but really small. And one of the first weeks they decorated them however they wanted to decorate, duct tape, whatever. And that was our prayer request notebook. And so um, some weeks, not all, but some weeks, they would write the prayer request on the date and pass it to the person to write them. They took it with them that week. And so kind of that worked later in the semester because then they felt more accountable mm -hmm. to be back there the next week with that person's prayer notebook and you know so they kind of like mm -hmm. that and then carrying that kind of small it fits in a backpack so yeah that's a good idea so that was kind of just things like that work it's a re literally a visual reminder of your prayer for them mm -hmm. that's, really that's a really good idea <coughs> anything you can do to um, encourage people to return helps because mm -hmm. I don't know about Chico but you'll see freshmen can be flaky I know that you're a freshman but not all freshmen, like a lot of ours are. And so just helping them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so helping people like have something where, oh, I need to go tonight because I have this really helps. That's good, and it begins to build the friendship between yeah. the girls, and yeah. then again with the spiritual disciplines, getting that more into your calendar and your schedule. That's mm -hmm. a great idea. Mm -hmm.
People are on Facebook a lot, so using it to your advantage, that's a good yeah. mm-hmm. One of the things I've seen, I was in a small group in high school, and uh, a lot of times our leaders, like, um, we went through a lot of transitional stages mm-hmm. where like, we didn't have any leaders to lead our small group. So that really kind of forced us to be, uh, I guess, lead ourselves into that. And uh, I feel like that's kind of important to have a sense that, like, even though, like, one or two people are facilitators, and if those people aren't there, they can still lead themselves through Yeah, because you can have an emergency come up and not be able to be there, and so it's great. So you don't have to cancel life group if someone else can do that. And one thing I was thinking of, one thing that I really struggle with is like assigning homework, like what Sam was saying, oh, memorize this first, and then I forget to talk about it the next week. And so somehow reminding yourself, like putting it on the next week's top of the paper part and just say check on the verse or did you how did you guys do with hard attitude number one and living that out what were some situations so it keeps it fresh on their mind because I've forgotten and then they're like oh she's not going to remember so I'm not going to do this and so then they don't do it somehow reminding yourself to remind them to do it Are there friends that you have been reaching out to or people in your dorm that might be interested in coming? Because sometimes they haven't even thought about inviting anybody else. Erin, I know that kind of as a habit we do every so often come a fun night. Um, Can you give them some of the ideas you guys have done, girls have done for fun things that that you think they might be able to use? Yeah, actually, I've really moved away from that. Um, But we do have that. The reason I've moved away from fun nights in on our, because Julie and I leave one on Wednesdays, is because when students hear the word fun, they automatically think, well, I have papers due tomorrow. I have other things due tomorrow. I don't have time for fun. They don't see the point of, um, of just the value of having fun together and making the memory together. I just don't understand why. Sometimes I've done it where I've surprised them and they don't know it's coming. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're walking to Coldstone and getting, like if you do something that's like within walking distance. Um, so it can be like going, you know, and getting ice cream or doing something else. But I've tried to do, fun things with the girls on the weekends and inviting them then because I feel like they can enjoy it more because they're not as stressed about getting back to campus on time or if you want to stay local and just stay on campus and go grab something to eat Um, but it's just been my experience that once I say there's a fun night they don't like two people will show up like because we're having fun because you'll be willing to have fun any other time but right now this just doesn't make sense other people maybe have had more success but year after year I've just determined that Fun nights, I, I want to sketch, so I'll say, are you guys free? So we did a Valentine's Day party, and so we really pumped that up, and they all came to the Valentine's Day party. But we planned it in advance and told them when it would be and didn't just spring it on them. But try the fun night and see if it works for you. It has not worked well for me. But see, your your group may be different and may be connected in, in ways where it's important to make memories together as a group. That is really key in just the formation of a group and it going deeper. So don't be afraid to try new things. Try the fun night on your typical night. Try it another night too. I'd say I have no idea, but have fun. And it's important just to laugh as a group in the meeting. Like you wanna just, I mean, it may get deep, and it, but it probably won't be that deep every week where it's like heavy and weighty. 
you know, laugh and have fun and, and enjoy what you're doing together. Let them see that God's word is, is life-changing and practical and something that they desperately need and is practical for all their friends as well, not just something that they grew up with and so they need it, but that everybody needs it. Any other things? Juhan? Hmm. Juhan had a fun night in the guys' game. Yeah. Yeah, we had a fun night and the guys came. <coughs> so what you said. Usually with guys, if it's food, they'll come. Um, so we, we have like gone to, for like corner barbecue, that kind of thing. Um, that's a lot of fun. One time we went to UCLA. That was pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> playing USC songs. You know. Playing USC songs, driving around the campus. That kind of thing. Yeah, so sometimes it's good to have fun nights, just um, especially when everybody's like stressed out with school. I think it helps a lot. It helps people, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have icebreakers, but sometimes they just don't connect unless they're doing something fun together. Yeah. And I think it's a great tool is celebrating people's birthdays. But that's really important, and so it doesn't have to be something fancy. You can go be going to the dining hall on campus and swiping everybody in, but just having a really celebrating that person well. And so it could either be at your meeting or it could be another time. I would really think another time would be more special, but try to have a card that people sign and a special dessert, you know, make a big deal of it because they're away from home, their families aren't around. It's, it's your birthday. I want to be all alone. So communicate that they're loved. I also found that students came more to fun nights when they actually were on the night if it was co-ed which oh. often we would do we'd ask another guy group that was meeting or another group that was meeting do you want to do something together we had a game night one night and just different things and uh, all of a sudden they had to yeah that. <laughs> that's a really good point <laughs> i think sometimes it doesn't even need to be co-ed it's just like if you have like like if you combine two, two small groups mm-hmm. or something you're, you're right Asking, what do you, what so, what so far are your thoughts on being in this freshman group, 
with just freshmen? Do you? Um, I think it's helpful because you're all really new to the way that I guess life works and challenge works. So it's a good introductory. So no one's like no one really knows exactly like this is the format. They can. It's all like learning about. It's like discovering what it's all about. Here. So makes it less intimidating and. So you feel like you, you, that does does that help you feel like make friendships with those other freshmen that you? Well, we're always trying to think of ways to make small groups just better and more people do want to attend them. So if you guys learn things along the way, pass them on. Um, we need all the help we can get. So let me pray, and then we will head to dinner because I know we're, like, all starving. <laughs> I know. Father, thanks for this group, and thanks for the things you're doing in our lives and for the, the small groups that we get to be a part of. And, Father, I pray that we would um, be small group leaders and active participants so that your name um, gets known all over our campuses and ultimately all over the world and so would you help us to be teachable and to be learners and to be risk takers trying new things and to really love your word and love you and to love the people that you're bringing onto our lives father help us to have vision for our campuses and what you want to do there and to join you in the work you're doing already we love you and thank you for the privilege of of knowing you and walking with you in your name we pray amen well thanks for coming guys